Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have another special guest with us. She currently oversees production and creative development for the highly anticipated animated series Marvel Spidey and his amazing friends. Other Disney Junior credits include the hit series Puppy Dog Pals, Tot, Goldie and Bear, and a popular Disney Junior music nursery rhyme and Ready for Preschool's short film series. Joining Disney in March of 2010, she has served as executive on live-action Emmy Award-winning Imagination Movers. She also oversaw Disney Junior's Emmy Award-nominated interactive app, Omigo, which premiered at number one in the App Store. I have with us Lori, Vice President of Original Programming at Disney Junior. How are you doing, Lori? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking, and thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on Sane Show today. I'm super excited. I've been really looking forward to doing this recording with you, so thank you. I'm so happy to have you on. Thanks. So really quick, before I introduce the topics, I want to take a moment to shout out all of our listeners in all 60-plus countries. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. Thank you for continuing to like, share, subscribe, and spread the word about Sane Show. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at sane underscore show again that's sane s-a-n-e underscore show and then you can find us on facebook that's sane show again on facebook that's sane show all right so today we're going to have a conversation about following the breadcrumbs and then we're going to have a conversation about content and platform expansion and then following those two topics we're going to have an interview with you Lori, so that listeners can learn more about you the things you do and all the fun and exciting things that go along with that. Cool? Sure. You'll decide whether they're fun and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and hop right into it with our first topic, follow the breadcrumbs. When you summed up your story, when we've talked the last time, I found it to be very interesting when you said that you followed the breadcrumbs. And during the segment, I'd like to focus on that idea itself, you know, what it means and how it can be beneficial. Because after the last conversation that you and I had, I really took and thought about it myself as far as during my career or certain points in my career, when did I do that? Did I do that? And and thinking about it, of course I did. And I think others have as well. I think in hindsight, though, when we actually think about it, we realize that we did, right? Because we don't think about it when we're in the moment, I think, for most of us. Uh, so I know I've certainly benefited from doing so. And overall, I think that we should all follow the breadcrumb trail at some point. Uh, so you just want to hand it over to you just so that you can just explain from your personal experience as well, as far as what it means to follow the breadcrumb trail and things of that nature. Um, okay, well, I, I think the reason I said that phrase was because I wasn't one of those people who had some kind of obvious talent or gift that I was given that was like, well, clearly you need to be a, an X. You're so fantastic at math. You must do this, you know. So I never really had that thing that was driving me with its hand at my back you know, just sort of self-generated. I had a lot of things that interested me, but the way I grew up, the things that interested me seemed so you couldn't make a living at them. You know, it's like, how do you make a living liking art or music, you know, whatever I like, dancing or whatever. So 
and I wasn't a fantastically academic kid. I knew I was bright, but I just, it didn't really come out in my grades and um, sort of the way we learned, I didn't do well at. I, in some ways, I mean, at the time I didn't think it was a gift, but in some ways it was a gift because the only thing I had left was kind of following either what I needed at the time or what I succeeded at. So, you know, it was like, okay, well, I need a job. <laughs> so, so who do I know? Who, who do I know? And I had been a DJ in college and I played some piano and, and my brother knew a guy who was a mixer and they lived in California. So I came out to California and I met him and then, you know, things just kind of, I followed where I thought I could get a job. And then I would hook on to some word or something that someone would say. It was like, oh, okay, post-production, mix it. This guy was a mixer and that, and someone would say post-production. So then when I would talk to people, I'd say, I want to be in post-production. And then they would tell me the next thing. And so that's what I was following. And I ended up in editing and I ended up answering the phone at a place that did editing for commercials. But I, you know, I kind of would listen and watch and, and was like, oh, they're figuring out like a puzzle. And, and I think the way my mind works, it's like, like, that was perfect for me. It was like, oh, looking at these pieces and seeing how they fit together and what, what is the story? I think that I need a narrative in order to understand things, which is one of the reasons I wasn't good at the kind of learning that I had in, in school. Mm -hmm. But so, so that resonated with me. It's like, oh, creating narrative, beginning, middle, end, making things fit and make sense. So I followed that. And then it was like, okay, well, I really want to go to the dentist, so I need to get a job in the union. How do I get in the union? And so that's, mm -hmm. you know, and it was just this sort of dance between what I liked, what I succeeded at and got, you know, got positive reinforcement for and what I needed. So that's what right. I meant by following the breadcrumbs. I think about it with mainly like with my career in sales. When I talk about that, I always tell people I didn't get in the sales on purpose. Right? Uh -huh. I came out of school. I took an internship because I needed a job and I just, okay, this, and, and, and then uh, I wanted to like go into marketing, but I just had those began developing sales skills and, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I had a job doing this and I can do this and I want to make this much. And then, you know, I want to, and now like having moved up and eventually, because now I'm talking about transferable skills, figured that I could take those same skills and apply them to the business that I'm also that I'm now in uh, as far as entertainment right how can I utilize those that same skill set to make me successful over here and that's something that we talk about a lot on the show is the transferable skills but just to go back and talking about following the breadcrumb trails when it comes to my path in sales and also even my path in the entertainment industry it's a lot of that right well okay I need I need this or, and, but I'm able to do this and how can I grow in this area? It just, just kind of went with it. Right. Until I found mm -hmm. that one, at least for myself, I found that one thing that works for me or that I really wanted to do and say, well, okay, I, I can do this. Well, go ahead. Well, I, that's interesting. And I, I, it sort of brings up a question because uh, I know that in my case, you know, they, it sounds a little like, you know, one of those books about, you know, follow your bliss or whatever. But there is that thing that the breadcrumbs in some ways are like, oh, this makes my heart sing a little bit. So that uh, because uh, because it's it's not that it's easy because everything is hard work, but 
did you find that it was like, oh, this path doesn't have a million blockades between me and it? So that's an encouragement, sort of an internal encouragement of following those clues. Did you have that sense? Yeah, yeah. And I I think I really came to realize that when I started this <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> and like just because it wasn't that. It was just something that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to get back into radio, but then just not that it would have been a challenge, but just the, the process that I would have to go through. And I, I didn't want to do that. And honestly, I just wanted to do my own thing, which led me to where I am right now. And, and then this is taking me down a completely different path in which I thought I was going. So, <laughs> and, But what is at the root of that? I mean, for me, it's like storytelling is the root of my joy. When I realize kind of when I distill it down, the homeopathic remedy of my joy is storytelling. Yeah. So what is it the at the center of, of your joy about, or your, your breadcrumb, what's at the center of it? For me, when it, well, at least when it comes to podcasts and it's great conversations mm -hmm. uh, and talking about great conversations <laughs> with cool people, you know, and talking about things of people of substance mainly mm -hmm. and, you know, getting to hear other people's stories. So mm -hmm. I guess storytelling is a part of it. You know, growing up, my uncle told me that I was going to be that guy I was going to be that one I'm the storyteller of the family because I mm -hmm. <laughs> right. have a story to tell whether it be my experience or someone else's story that I'm mm -hmm. sharing so but but conversation sounds a little bit more like what it's it's whatever that story is that happens within conversation for you right right and mm -hmm. I mean honestly that's what I enjoy about the conversations too mm -hmm. you get to meet different people you get to learn about them it's not just you know selling somebody something just for the sake of making a bonus or a commission is I really enjoy the interaction. You know, right. I've met, met a lot of awesome people doing that mm -hmm. kind of work. I just say that I guess in my breadcrumb, I noticed that there is somewhat of a common thread in all that I've done, but I mm -hmm. just not, I haven't really realized that until I don't think it's up until this point in which you asked me that question that you asked. So thank you for that. <laughs> No problem. You just you've just saved yourself like three decades. <laughs> <laughs>
In some ways, we're going to go all the way around the world and get back to where we started in a way, just because people have so many eyeballs and so many hours and so much money that they can spend on sort of intake of content, unless, you know, you're going to be just plugged in like, like that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Idiocracy, where you're just sitting in a chair and drinking your drink and watching the commercials on television. Like, you know, there's a point at which it's sort of like, I need the time to live my life. I need the time to Mm -hmm. make the money to subscribe to a service. So it feels to me like we're still in an expansion phase. And this is just me, just what I see. It feels like we're still in an expansion phase and things are being gobbled up, things are being made, but there will be a point at which, uh, and I don't think it's too far away and we may have already hit it and just don't know it yet, that there's a saturation point where people are like, I can't. I can't make any more decisions. I can't spend more money. I can't. And then I think it will start, you know, sort of sucking back in and there will be probably four or five big players and they'll be sort of akin to what networks were back in the day. They'll, they'll have a lot more content on them. People will view them differently, you know, whether it means their screen or their ability to have a more kind of bespoke experience. I just don't see that we can just be in an ever-expanding universe. I just, it just, I don't see how that's sustainable. So that's one part of it that I think about a lot. Another part that I think about is that I feel like there's going to be a point at which there will be some disruptors. I mean, right now, this, the streamers are sort of seen as the disruptors of the old guard, but I think there will be disruptors within that universe and I'll be interested to see what what they do Just, and whether it's sort of how people get things like cracking the code for for people to be able to sort of I mean, I don't know about you and I know that I'm older. And so there's this technological barrier for me. But so many times I will be I'll like look and look and look and search and be like, I'm so overwhelmed. I'll just go watch an old Seinfeld or I'll just watch, you know, a murder mystery or something that makes me feel comfortable because I'm like, should I watch this doc? Should I watch that series? Should I, can I make a commitment to this thing or that thing? Should I go back to The Wire because I've never finished that and I always wanted to? And 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 I just kind of get into decision numbness. And then I'm just, I'm going to go like put on my fun, comfy, the sort of uh, uh, IP version of comfy, you know, pajamas and just see something again I've seen before. So there's that. And then I also think about what happens in like, I mean, I don't know that this is true. It was sort of anecdotal when I heard it. But one of the things that, that I've heard is that the way appointment television worked for the human brain was that it was like a serotonin release. Like, you know, it was sort of like the long-term relationship. You'd wait every Thursday when that show came on and you and your friends would have the shared experience and and you talk about it and blah, blah, blah. So that, and then, and you fall in love with those things and you have real affection for those things. And then like the way, when you binge something, that's like not a serotonin hit, it's an oxytocin hit. So that means that like, it's like that fantastic weekend. It's the one night stand kind of, wow, it was amazing and fantastic, but it's a memory. I don't go back to it a lot. I think about it fondly, but it doesn't live in my kind of long-term love fault. I can remember that I loved it, but I don't have that kind of deep affection for it. And lately I've noticed that a lot of the shows that I am interested in drop once a week. So they're sort of going back to that model of titrating in slowly, 
their show. So you build th that affection. And so they don't burn through content so darn quickly because it's expensive to make content. And that, again, is another, to me, signpost towards kind of an, a new way of doing an old thing. So that's a lot that I just said. Anyway. No, that's true. <laughs> and I agree. And I've even, I think either I talked about it with you or I've seen it somewhere where we like things that we are familiar with. Even, no, I, I appreciate the, the whole suggested, if you like this, you might like this. Oftentimes it doesn't work out like that for me, mm -hmm. but right. because when I'm looking for things to watch, I'm looking for what I know, like genres. So I'll say horror is a horror is a genre that is one of my favorites. So I'm going to go look for horror movies, right? I know mm -hmm. when it comes to horror movies, I'm a big fan of paranormal. So I'm going to look for those kinds of movies. I know I'm a big fan of The Insidious and uh, what's the other one? Annabelle. So I'm looking mm -hmm. for things that are much closely aligned with those types of movies. And if it doesn't align, then I'm not going to watch it, right? Because I'm easily going, to, I know I'm going to be easily disappointed, right? Especially if it's cheesy, yeah. like the most recent one that I watched. As far it was, uh, which shall be oh, I was gonna say, which shall be nameless, but you said it so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very disappointed, and it was a James Wan movie. And I know James Wan to be a very great director, so I, you know, some people were joking that saying that he's just he was just playing around with it, and I don't, I don't know, but either way, again, just going back to my point, a lot of people are like going to what's familiar, right? Even with some of the new content that I'm working on, it's stuff that is familiar. Like mm -hmm. based on things or things that inspired me were things that there was a common thread in between all the all the productions that inspired my latest piece of content. So, right. yes, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I do believe that this might be of like you said, right, of what of taking a new an old thing and or a new thing and doing it uh, an old way or something like that. An old thing and doing a new way, but 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 in what you just said, I think is in some ways, kind of the problem for lack of a better phrase, because you're basically to me it's like you're getting into a tighter and tighter circle because your algorithm that they're feeding you stuff with, whether it's information on the internet or or the programming, you know, I mean, I watched a show that the protagonist was overweight, and then every freaking thing that showed up of you might like this was with some fat lady who, you know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and and it was like, I mean, it wasn't like I hated or I didn't hate it. And it's like, you know, okay, I watched something that resonated for me. And so you think that overweight women are the thing that I liked, but that wasn't why I was attracted to that. I was attracted to the humor of that art of, of that talent and that, the smartness of that talent, not her weight. And so suddenly I was in some bucket. And then I feel like that's what happens to everybody. And I mean, I, again, dating myself, but we, I was just talking about this with some friends um, and my husband last night that when everybody was sort of watching the same thing, you got your eyes were or we were talking about it in terms of music, like you would be listening to top 40 radio or top 100 radio and hear everything from like the cast of a Broadway play to a rock band to Frank Sinatra to, and, and I was hearing it and I was getting turned on to things that I didn't listen to normally or that weren't in my you know, generation or culture. And so was everybody else. And so you were sort of cross pollinating in a way that I feel like you, you don't get to do as much 
as both creators and consumers because you're just getting a tighter and tighter circle. Okay. How about this then? On the vendor side of it, what are your, because now I'm thinking companies that produce the, that are producing the content and the whole idea of rinse and repeat, we know what works, what formula, especially when we think about sitcom. There's this formula. Yeah. Oh, but do we? How many failed sitcoms? Oh, but do we? How many failed sitcoms are there? And they follow that same formula. I believe I work at the right company because I believe in magic. I believe that there's you can you can't make everything into zeros and ones. There's something you know, and maybe that's a fool's thought. But I'm it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I no, I agree, and I'll say this. I like I, I'm a big fan of the Entourage series on HBO. And there's talks about a reboot. I would love to see the show be rebooted, but at the same time, and I read an article that did address this is okay, Adrian Griner, who played Vincent Chase, is not young anymore. And everybody, you know, like is that same formula going to work for the reboot? And that's what everybody needs to think about. And maybe, okay, can we bring him back? Yes, we can. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, the only person that can probably be in, fill the same role is Jeremy P- Piven as Ari Gold, but as an, going back and being an agent. But there needs to be a young, another young star coming in, and maybe the show can focus around a younger Hollywood star coming mm-hmm. up in today's Hollywood versus trying to navigate the life of somebody who's had their time to shine. And I mean, really, when you think about the, and this is with any show, when you think about the original format of it. And the the whole basis of it, that's what made some of these great productions what they were. So, go right. Ahead. Uh, well, again, the, the the magic of what happened, the, the, like those ingredients, somehow just really sang together. And when you try to kind of, you know, it's kind of when when you hear people say, you know, well, I want to make a viral video. It's like you can't make a viral video. You make a video, and then it goes viral. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like that can't be your intent is to like recreate something that was magic. I mean, I hate to keep saying magic, but that was sort of the mm-hmm. whatever that X factor was it didn't work. But I do see that, you know, we have been t- pretty much the same story since we've been telling stories around the fire. And so they resonate in, to the human brain or the human heart in some way. So yeah, like maybe it's entourage, but not entourage. What is it about entourage that worked and what wouldn't work now, and I think you hit some of it, is like there, there is the that the striving of being a certain age or the innocence or the guilelessness or the foolishness of being a certain age that doesn't wear well if you're a middle-aged person. Phoebe on Friends as a ditzy 20-something, well, she was playing a ditzy 20-something, is fine. A ditzy 50-something seems like she might be having early onset, you know, Alzheimer's. You know, it just doesn't right. work. So so I think like what's at the core of the story that resonated and then and then what is inspiring about the now that makes you make a new version of that. I also want to add the people because Jeremy Piven did a great job as Ari Gold. You have Jerry Seinfeld who nailed it in his role because whatever Jerry does, it works. Whether it's Seinfeld, Comedians in Cars, his stand up. That's another factor too, right? The the talent, especially if they're charismatic. I, I don't think we give, I, I guess the general, when I think about the general population, I don't think they take into account charisma as much as they should. Because if you have the right 
not just the right person, but that that person has to write if it's just in their essence. You know, this is something I talked about on the last episode. You know, I, I think that goes a long way because we see that as some of the top people in Hollywood, uh, as well as Dwayne Johnson and, you know, other <laughs> Hollywood heavyweights who just have the personality that could carry almost anything. Well, uh, that's interesting that you say that. Uh, I think that that's true. I mean, there are those people who you feel like, oh, when they're in the room, all the energy seems to just flow to them. We don't know why. It's probably, you know, some mathematical combination of their features or something that all of us kind of go, ah, perfect thirds or whatever. But I, but I also think that some, like when you, when you talk about Jerry Seinfeld and I don't know what his inner workings are, but he seems to be a guy who knows what he's good at and what he's not. You know what I mean? He seems to have had the the talent to be like, I'm not going to do that thing because that thing is not me. This is the lane where I shine. And there are some people, I mean, I've always wished to be one of those people that had sort of a preternatural understanding of themselves or seemed like they had a preternatural understanding of themselves and had some grace around that. But some of those people that you talk about having charisma, it seems like they have some sort of knowledge, like self-knowledge. They know how to follow the light a little bit more easily. All right, we're back now for the interview. So we're going to learn a little bit more about you, Lori, so that the listeners can learn more about you and the things that you do and all the exciting things that go along with that. Cool? Mm-hmm. So my first question, you mentioned that times are different from when you were coming up in the business, mentioning that you could afford to fail and take chances. How is the business different now? Partially, it's just how the world is different now. You could be and say and do pretty stupid things and not a lot of people would know about it. And now you post everything you do. And if you make a misstep, that's it for you. It's there forever. And it kind of um, freezes people in time because, you know, the 18-year-old Cliff would not be the you know, saying the same thing as the 30-year-old Cliff will or the 40-year-old Cliff will, but that's all still you out there and you ha- are accountable to it. So there's that piece of just being able to kind of shed your past I- in a way and your past missteps in a way that I don't think people now really have that uh, luxury. Of course, they eschew the internet, which I don't think is possible to do anymore. So, um, (laughs) uh, and I don't recommend it. I'm just saying, I think that it's, you know, I think you have to kind of be a very responsible curator. And I think that's hard to know when you're young. Uh, So there's that. And so I had that going for me, but I also think uh, you could take chances a bit more because the environment, whether it's true or not, the sense of the environment is that you are just in this race and you have to be a thoroughbred. I have to say that I think the biggest thing I had going for me when I started out was that I hadn't gone because I was answering phones or a driver for some film company was really a direct, a frustrated director having to do all this garbage before they got to direct their film. And for me, I was like, I get to staple scripts. This is amazing. You know, like I was just, everything was this new, exciting, like I'm in this world with these people. And I think for the people around me that were not feeling like I was breathing down their necks, trying to, you know, do what they were doing, that was probably good. And it gave me some 
room to learn because I wasn't so particularly, it wasn't like I was without ambition, but I was not particularly like, I want that thing over there. I was just kind of, again, just going like, that's really interesting. What do you mean by that? What is, what's, you know, what, what's color correction? What's an interneg? You know, like I would just be kind of, I was in film school. So, um, you know, and I could, and I could suck at things and without a lot of, it wasn't like, here's $200 million because you made a really good student film and go make a big movie for some big studio. And if you blow it, that's it for you. I was not that. So, um, and, and most people were not that. So even people who were self-directed had a little time to grow. And I feel like, you know, that the fact that every, this is a voracious monster, this, this kind of, you know, immediate access. And so people aren't, you know, if you have a talent or if you have something that you put out there, it gets gobbled up and then what's next, what's next, what's next? And you don't have a lot of time to kind of sit, I think, and figure out what did I do well, what didn't I do well, what was good, what was bad, you know. Uh, and I think all of that, it makes it difficult. It makes it difficult. So my next question, while you followed the breadcrumbs at what point in your career did you become intentional about the direction you wanted your career to go in it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a moment it was it was moments i became directional when it was like this thing that's you know oh that's what i want to do i'll go after that and then i did that thing and it was like huh okay well now that i did that thing i kind of see what that person's doing over there and that's interesting to me let me go over there i think just generally intentional for my life I probably am more intentional now because I know, you know, I really do know that the hand of time is at my back and you don't unfortunately really get a sense of that until you're in the last third of your life. And then you just realize like, I better be intentional because I am literally spending my time at this point. And how do I want to spend it? And I need to be, in, I can't flail around, you know, while the calendar pages fly off. I need to be intentional about what I, you know, what the relationships I want to have and the, and the art I want to make and the conversations I want to have and the people I want to love and how I want to love them and how I want to love myself. Like all those things are becoming much more uh, center stage. Understood. So you mentioned that you love animation. You also mentioned how impactful mm -hmm. it is on younger viewers. Given the current environment where parents are on high alert about content their children are consuming, how do you as a parent and professional in the business take parental concerns into account? Our company does. And there are there are things in place that are, you know, kind of institutional things in place, like an educational research group and and school studies and things that are, you know, and, and learning about the latest academic discoveries about development you know, kids in the world and what things matter to kids and what are they stressing about and what are they worried about? And that's what the institution does. And I benefit from that greatly. Personally, um, the woman who hired me said to me, because I had not been in preschool before. And she said to me, when you had a four-year-old, would you want that coming out of their mouth? And if you don't, probably you don't want them to be watching it. And I thought that that was a perfect guidepost. Like, I'd, even if you're modeling that as the quote-unquote baddie, the villain, you try to sort of keep them with, within a framework that kids understand, like, no, you're not, you're not to say those things. You are not to treat someone that way. You are not to be that way in the world. 
and and I think that that's my personal signpost. And also just being informed by, I mean, certainly where we are right now, societally, it's a total constant self-check of why, you know, why is this character saying this and not that character? Why does this character always ask questions while this character always makes statements? Are we doing that because of their gender, because of their color, because of, you know, like because of their age? So I feel like I'm always running those questions through my, my mind now just because I'm in the process and we're in the process as a culture. And that's certainly another way to think about how you're impacting viewers because yeah, you're, give, you're, you're, you're essentially, uh, yeah, yeah. You're you essentially giving them reality. Kids some help or those mm -hmm. kinds of things. I, yeah, I was spot on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an easy. That's an sort of an easy trick to ask yourself when you're when you're working in preschool. Right. All right. And my my last question to you: Going digital eliminates barriers of entry for creatives. How do you feel this will impact creatives and their ability to make it onto major platforms? I wish I could say that I believe that it would change things a lot, which is what I'm hoping for when the, the question you asked before about like, you know, and I, my answer was like the disruptors, I'm interested about what the disruptors would do. But I feel like what's happening is like, you know, instead of trolling the clubs and, and the, you know, small publications, uh, they're trolling TikTok. You know, people who are looking for mining talent are, you know, sometimes trolling TikTok or, to, you know, they're just sort of, again, the platform has changed where you find folk. But I do think, you know, original talent will always find a way. So even if things are kind of codified and become carbon copies of the next thing and the next thing, there will always be artists that want to do something in a unique way or tell a story in a different way or need to show something that is not the way everybody's shown it before, even though, you know, it, it, it can, obviously if it resonates with people, there's some commonality about it, but I think original creation will find its way. It will seep through somehow. And I think that the digital platforms allow that to happen, you know, but like any, anything else, there's always the, there's the dark side and then there's the, the light side. So everything can come through, but hopefully a lot of art can come through in that I, I do think that that, um, you know, it's probably not a very it's, it's probably I don't know if this is OK to say, but um, I think that, you know, if you're if you're not regulating what people see, if you're not just giving people what they already want to see, that's a big help in, in allowing that to happen, because I think people are creative minds are sparked a lot by input. And if your input is come down to some algorithm that keeps feeding you the same thing, it's really hard to think outside of that box. I would hope that we find ways to have inputs that come from a lot of different places in every way, not just from a lot of different places of like how people grew up or what culture they come from or anything like that, but also from just, you know, strange minds. Strange minds do think great things. And I want, you know, I want them to find a way to infect the rest of us. <laughs> so I agree. Uh, yeah. I certainly agree on that one, especially when you talk about creatives or well, everyone in general, just keeping an open mind and not just sticking to the algorithm. So definitely have a point there. But that's all of my questions. Laurie, mm -hmm. thank you again 
uh, for taking time out of your schedule to come on same show really appreciate it i really enjoyed having you on the show as well definitely going to have to have you back on again in the future so thank you again for uh, taking time to come on same show today thank you so much for this conversation it was really delightful Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> so, yes, thank you again, listeners, for continuing to like, share, subscribe. Uh, uh, make sure you are, I mean, we're all supporting Disney in some form or way. So let's keep consuming that great content that they're putting out. <laughs> so, again, you guys are listening to Sang Show, a show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.